yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Upcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt. The Force provides you with insight, but it does not give one all the answers. And as you can see, my Jedi powers are far beyond yours. And I'm Jamie. And he's Jamie. Alrighty. We're back. <laughs> yes. Sure. All this time. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks, but we're we're back to record um, a wrap-up episode of the last four episodes of Ahsoka. We did one of these for the first four episodes of Ahsoka, um, which is basically a live-action cartoon. So that's why we're doing it. Yep. Give us, give us a break. Yep. Very timely, right? Yeah, very timely. Um, I can so go with that. Ahsoka's only been off the air for several weeks. <laughs> But remember, remember, we did start the the show reviewing something that happened in 1978. Yes. Um, so. Yes, you know we're not like those other YouTubers and people who just have the time and energy and equipment to quickly slap together some stuff talking about everything that they got wrong. We're regular guys with regular lives. <laughs> okay, um, for the most part. Yeah. But we are going to start putting up a uh, a YouTube YouTube series about what we think um, protocol droids genitalia look like, um, just for clickbait. Yes, and to get immediately banned from the platform. Um, oh. Let's see. Let's call it, it, it. Does it have Star Wars in the name? Um, Joy Droid Genital Theory or Droid Genitals Explained? There you go. Okay. You got there. Welcome to Droid Junk. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> um, all right, before we get into that, um, I do have a tiki drink, and sometimes I talk about my tiki drinks on here. Um, so maybe I can do that real quick. Yeah, go for it. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. All the birds sing word and the flowers croon. In the tiki, 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 tiki room. All right, it's very it's so I, I did get these Star Wars tiki glasses for for my birthday, and so every once in a while I make myself a tiki drink and then I talk about it. Um, and today's tiki drink is um, a Jungle Bird. A Jungle Bird is basically a rum drink that has a bunch of fruit in it. So it's got rum, pineapple juice, Campari, um, lime juice, almond liqueur. And I added a cherry because I don't have any pineapple to garnish it with. Um, if I would, it's pretty sweet, but the almond adds a lot of bitterness to it, so it's a pretty interesting drink. Um, hmm. I think you would like this one. Yeah, no, I I, I do love a good fufu drink. Because um, hmm, you know, spoiler, Jimmy Buffett died a, a while ago, and I was kind of like, oh man. I should really start drinking more boat drinks, you know, in honor of the song. Um, so, you know, and I've been thinking about just tiki drinks uh, ever since. I, I should have got. I'm not. I'm not fancy enough to to mix everything together. I just, I just grab one, one sweet thing, one liquor, and then just put it together. Unless I'm making margaritas. Yeah, I'm. I'm of the. I'm on the pathway to buy like a nice ice machine for the house. <laughs> so. I'm the wrong person to discuss what is reasonable. 
Um, but if people care about the recipe, it's three ounces of rum, three ounces of pineapple juice, 1.5 ounces of Campari. That's like a red liqueur. It's like a cherry liqueur. One ounce of lime juice, one ounce of almond liqueur, and um, you can garnish it with a cherry or and or pineapple. Um, yeah, and you're supposed to mix it because it's got citrus in it, and it turns out this sort of light pink, light pink, foggy, the one I made was sort of cloudy. I don't know if it's supposed to be clear, but it seems like it, you're not you're not going to get a clear drink with pineapple juice um, unless you filter it down. But the real yeah. question, the real question is, is it helping you forget about all your problems? Um, not one of them, but maybe four of them will. <laughs> I was going to make, I was going to make myself a big one. And then my wife came in she's like, what are you making? And I was like, I'm making jungle birds. And she's like, okay, I'll take one. <laughs> like, well, they didn't offer you one, but okay. <laughs> you can have half of it. Well, well, that's why you were like, when, when you're making it, you're, you're pouring a little and you're like one for you, one for me. <laughs> um, she was out at a movie with her friends, and so they were having a good time drinking. Oh, please say it was the Taylor Swift movie. There's a Taylor Swift movie? No. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It was not the Taylor Swift movie. It was um, My Wife Really Loves Halloween, so it was some horror film that I've never heard of. Went over to our Irish friend's house, and so it was some Irish horror film I'd never heard of. So supposedly it was quite scary. <laughs> But she came home and I was like, I'm recording tonight, so I'm going to go downstairs. She's like, okay. She's like, are you making a drink? Are you making a tiki drink? I was like, yes. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just mixing up some dog diarrhea medicine. I mean, you can have some if you want, but all right. Yeah. That's okay. I have enough to make myself another. If we, if I get bored in the recording and want to go upstairs for two minutes and make a drink, I'll do that. Yeah. If you do that, I can. I'll go make myself another of my trashy drinks there you go lemonade and vodka mm-hmm. um all right well that's it for the tiki drink um segment I'm not sure how i feel about keeping the segment alive but i just like drinking and talking about star wars so an intersection <laughs> yes. of my interests <laughs> yeah me too um other than that we should transition into um star wars talk so did you do any star wars since last past couple of weeks we haven't really spoken in a lot of detail in the past couple of weeks no no not particularly i've uh, well i restarted the aftermath series the audiobooks um just because i've run out of audible credits and um i know i always like this the the series that um um i think i think it stands the test of time it um for for what it is because they could and i say they i mean the author Chuck Wendig couldn't. Um, he probably was told like these are topic. You know, these are topics you can't touch, and you will you know, have to stay within the boundaries of you know this and that. You know, knowing that you know, so there's no like, come on, where the you know where's Luke? You know, how come you know there's no talk about the Jedi or you know really dark side sort of stuff. Other than well, I mean there is some talk about dark side, but nothing like hitting the main plot. Uh, of the original trilogy or the prequels, um, I think it's I think it stands up. There's there's some stuff that's just a little, ugh, but overall I think it's I think it stands the test of time. I I read a uh, couple of comic books um, when I was at the public library a few weeks ago um, for um, some something my son's school was doing there. So I just 
hung back and just read Star Wars comics. But uh, I don't know. how about you? Um, yeah. So from an audiobook point of view, I'm doing the working my way through from a certain point of view the Return of the Jedi <sighs> stories. And I know you're not going to do it because they're not your they're not your speed, but I, I'm sort of enjoying them um, for for what they are. You know, yeah. silly. Please tell me the Sarlacc talks like a like a, somebody from a black exploitation movie. No, it's a surfer dude. Oh. Sarlacc talks like this man, and he's like, "You're gonna hang back, and you just really want someone to speak my language to talk to me again," sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm about halfway through. They're fun. They're fine. They're funny. You know, I didn't. They're Star Wars. I don't have to take very seriously. And like I said in previous iterations, Star Wars becomes like a community art project at some point. Right, and every comedian and short story writer gets a crack at it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine for me. Um, other than that, um, I finished a bookcase in my basement and got to put all my Star Wars books on the shelf. So that was fun, and that caused me to reactivate ordering books because I had a I had a self imposed ban on ordering new Star Wars books mm-hmm. or any books really, um, and so I I was I had missed the last seven novels in physical form. I had them in audible form, mm-hmm. and so I ordered all of those books. And now they're on the shelf happily. Um, so I, that's that's progress on that front, and I've been doing a lot of 3D printing and trying to finish up my battle droid mannequin um, and some R2 work. So I've been doing a lot of Star Wars crap. Um, I threatened to buy a $12,000 Han Solo and Carbonite coffee table um, (laughs) from Bad Robot uh, yesterday to my wife and she said no. Very enthusiastic no. So I wasn't actually going to get it. That's way too much. Hmm... When's the, did, I can't remember the last time we recorded, which is, is bad, but uh, um, you have we talked about you uh, finishing off your uh, um, episode one promotional set? Yeah, we did. We talked about that. Last we did? Time okay. We recorded, I think. No, we, we definitely talked about it. It might have been last time. It might have been a different time. But yeah, I've got all five. Darth, Darth Maul was the fifth one. He's in the corner. And yeah, I've been doing... I've been doing a ton of work on R2, um, and I think I sent you a photo of his completely assembled legs. Yeah. And I just have to cut. I just have to cut a hole in the feet to run a, run the wire to the motor. And that then the cool. other the other thing that's happened, um, which just remind something just remind me of this is I've been reading um, the Heir to the Empire series, the original Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. because a, another podcast. Um, contacted me and said, asked if I wanted to go on their show to promote our show, and they want to talk about Heir to the Empire. I was like, all right, fine. And that recording's happening this week, and I have no idea when that is being posted. And I never, yeah, so this is a totally random show. Just contacted <laughs> me. I was like, sure. They actually contacted me a long time ago asking if I wanted to join their podcast network. And I was like, no thanks. And then they contacted me, and they're like, well, maybe you just want to be on our show and review something. I was like, all right, yeah, sure. And then they said, how about Air of the Empire? I was like, um, okay. <laughs> so I will review Air of the Empire and make that recording this week, and we'll put it on our social media when it gets posted. I'll try not to make a fool out of myself, since I haven't read those books in 20 years. But doing it now. <laughs> cool. So that's about it for me. 
anything else you want to talk about or should we move on to the task of reviewing these episodes yeah everything's everything in the world is really bad right now so probably sticking just to star wars is probably the safest bet so um yeah let's get uh let's get started with the um talking about the second half of ahsoka all right you want to start with episode five and give us a quick plot summary and then we can sort of talk about our thoughts about it i do so uh this episode this one uh is called the shadow warrior and it's uh it takes kind of takes place kind of halfway in the world between worlds and um just uh in that um in the in the outside area in that um i don't know what you'd want to call it where they're activating the map um so just in the, it's just like CTOS is the name of the planet. CTOS. Really, C-toss. Okay, it's really yeah. Just, just one of the set pieces on CTOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it um it you know uh they're all looking, you know, trying to figure out what you know where Ahsoka is. Um and meanwhile Ahsoka is in the world between worlds and she has an encounter with Anakin and he's kind of there to uh you know help her train. And so uh she um she ends up uh, going through her um almost like her whole life you know with, with Anakin I, I I assume um or at least the battles you know through the Clone Wars and you see her as a uh, young child you know up until the you know till the till the end where eventually she's found and uh, thanks to uh, Jason Sindula who you know is you know was revealed that he's Kanan's son and. He's obviously force sensitive, and by the end, uh, um, Ahsoka is kind of a different person now, and she's kind of she's kind of survived her trials of sorts, and uh, she and Huang uh, jump in the uh, you know jump into the mouth of uh, a pergil you know in their ship, and the pergils head off to hopefully where Ezra is. Yeah, that. Yeah, so let's talk about the world between worlds and the Anakin thing for a little bit. Had a lot of a lot of discussions in my household about what was going on in that scene and why it was shown the way it was shown. And I think you and I talked a lot about like what it meant as well. Um, I'm just going to say what I think it meant and how I explained it to my sons. It's Anakin gave her the choice to be, he said, you can live or you can die. And she basically said, I won't fight you. And he said, I've heard that before, which I think is funny because (laughs) she said that to him on um, Malachor. um, Technically, she said, I won't leave you. Luke is the one who said, I won't fight you. you. Right. And I was going to say, Luke says it in Return of the Jedi, right? Actually, sorry. It's the only way I can uh, top your Star Wars knowledge is by petty little uh, corrections. Were you, were you correcting the Return of the Jedi thing, or no, the Mal the the Malachor thing? Oh, the Malachor thing, yeah. So that's a fun that's a funny little callback to that. But the battles that they show, um, one is from the Clone Wars movie, the cartoon movie, um, where they're trying to where they're on Teth trying to rescue Jabba's son. I'm pretty sure that's the battle they're showing. Um, and then the other one, this the middle battle is on Ryloth and there's Twi'leks in the in the background and then the final battle is on Mandalore the last battle of of the one of the last battles of the Clone Wars and Anakin 
wasn't with Ahsoka at that time, but she be, she was the leader and the warrior that he was trying to train her to be. So when when I was trying to explain to my kids, I was like, like he gave her a choice between life and death. And when they're in the battle, he says, like, you have to follow me or you'll die. Right. And so they're lining up these themes of like, like she's in a situation where she has to fight or die. And Anakin's basically saying, like, your choice is to live or die. So if she kept going, if she kept following Anakin, what does she become? Mm-hmm. Right? She becomes the same thing Anakin became, like Darth Vader. She'll keep, like, the, that path only leads to Darth Vader, like the transformation to a Vader-like character. And so she can't follow that path. And when she steps away, that's when, like, that's when she emerges as, like, Ahsoka the White. Yeah. She's like, I fought the Balrog, and now in that baptism of fire, I reemerged as a new new creature, a new being. Yeah, she, um, well, because also, you know, that she's, you know, not only, you know, like, if she's following that way, that she's, you know, kind of going down, you know, towards the dark side, eventually that's will lead, but she's just kind of leading herself because she thinks that's all Anakin is. Right. It was, but that's not true. He reminds her that he he's the culmination of all the training he received from his master, and you know, his you know, then his master before that, and so on. So, you know, she's got you know Qui Gon and Obi Wan, you know, and Yoda, you know, in her just as much as Anakin. Yeah, and that's the other other lesson is that is that you don't have to be one thing, right? She has a choice, and her choice is given to her by. Like all of the knowledge of her master and his master and all of the people that came before him and her decision as to what what comes next for her or Ezra or Sabine, right? She does not have to follow Anakin into the dark. Um, she can choose to not fight. And you see this, we'll talk about it in, in a little bit, you see this next time she fights Balin where she's not trying to win, right? She's trying to distract him. Mm-hmm. And and he throws it back at her. She's like, he's like, you can't win. She's like, I don't have to, right? And it's it's just like so it's so thematically clever. It's like, yeah, you don't have to win. You just have to survive and keep going, right? And I've often said like the only thing we actually owe each other is survival. You know, we don't like when it comes right down to it, we don't owe each other anything except for the chance to stay around a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. It's a it's a great episode, uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, of the the um, the season. Yeah, I like how um, she like. Well, first off, like Anakin, kind of like you never actually see Vader, like at least the armor clad Vader, but you know Anakin switches back and forth between you know kind of light side, dark side, uh, and you see kind of like the 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 shadow of Vader and like his lightsaber you know, turning, you know, being red and his eyes, you know, being that kind of that Sith, you know, bloodshot yellow. And at one point, you know, she calls out because, because she's worried about the Vader thing. She, she, um, she just, you know, mentions it and he's just like, Oh, is this what this, is this what this is about? Or, or, or something like that. And it's just like, dude, you, you fucking killed a shitload of people. You know, you, you murdered children. (laughs) He's like, Oh, are you still on about that? Yeah, but he's also taunting. He's also taunting her her feeling of personal responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like like you're afraid that you're going to be come that 
you don't like that's not what's going to happen but but like because she has choices that anakin maybe didn't have choices um or i don't know like read episode three by stover because they do a very good job of how yoda and mace and the jedi order sort of painted him into a corner along with obi-wan and he couldn't Mm -hmm. he couldn't he couldn't move and so he just sort of snapped so it, it his fall makes a lot more sense in that book than anything else I've ever read. What oh, did you yeah. think about Ariana um, Greenblatt, the ac- actor who played young Ahsoka? Oh, I thought she did great. Um, she's also um, she was also young Gamora in uh, Infinity War. Um, she is man. She's she's like the go-to person for like young alien. But uh, yeah, she did great, and it just made me. F- it just it was just like you know you know seeing it's just like i i've had problems with the whole jedi order because just their 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 dogma is it seems on a a, you know unsustainable and you know eventually they're going to fall which they did but seeing like her because she's so young and she's being thrown into a battle she looks you know she looks just a little older than some of my daughter's friends or um, maybe the same same age as like some of my you know, like son's friends or uh, you know just um, school schoolmates. So it's just they they really did throw kids into the meat grinder. Yeah, there's a lot of child soldier grossness about that, and then and then like the whole thing about how Anakin was joking at the Battle of Ryloth. This was, if you remember your Star Wars animation stuff, this was the the battle where Ahsoka um, loses an entire squadron, and she questions whether or not she should be in charge of people's, of like, soldiers because of the mistakes she made. Mm-hmm. There's a very similar conversation in the cartoon about um, we're, we're fallible, we're going to make mistakes, but we don't really have a choice. We have to fight the Separatists. And she pushes back and says, like, he says, would you like me to be more serious? And she said, that might help, right? And they're having this weird argument. When you think about, like, how she treats Sabine, right? She's very strict and stoic and serious all the time. And she's lost She's lost the humor or lost that thread of, of like, being congenial mm-hmm. to people. And it's a very serious business because she, we learn later that she's afraid of what Sabine is becoming. Yeah. It's, um, and the, and the, the one, the one line where she says like, is, is this all, I can't remember how I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, is this all I'll ever be, you know, like, cause, and cause you know, like Anakin talks about like, he, well, he, you know, grew up in a time of peace, you know, and she's, you know, growing up in a time of war. So it's like, is is this all I am? Is just a warrior, right? And, and you, you know, I think I, I think I'm asking that question to myself all the time, right? It's like, is this all I can be, right? Is this is this like the arc? Is this like the arc of my career? Is this just going to be like the rest of it? Yeah. Right? Or do I get to break free too? Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I got same things going on. It's very you know kind of existential crisis. You know, not probably you know as you know. Um, you know, it's not going to affect the events of the galaxy, but just it, you know, in, in our own personal orbits. You know, it's very, it's very difficult. You know, to be like, is this all I'll ever be? I can't imagine, and especially since she's a child soldier, essentially. 
in a in a big force cult that are they're good for the most part but it's just like like you know her training is on the battlefield not in diplomacy or or any of the other things that the the jedi are known for also it really shows it really put, i know we're dwelling on this philosophically for a long time we'll move on in a second but it really shows how she like why she grew away from the jedi and how the type of person she became once she left the order and all of those things like it all just yeah. sort of lines up together yeah you know she was like the only one who like went to like the injured clones and just like he, she like held his hand playing wherever that came from yeah <laughs> but you know there there was a lot of cool you know not to you know we'll speed to the next one but a lot of cool things in that you know uh you see live action rex um you get to see um mall uh mandalorians um you know oh, yeah and, the, the spiky helmet ones yeah yeah those are awesome yeah and then like uh you know, there's a there's and there's going to be a lot of good uh, Anakin, you know, Anakin quotes and memes, you know, coming out of that episode. You know, from like you know like, uh, you know, calling the Battle of Mandalore intense to just saying like incorrect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a great this is a great episode, and you know, like you said, she did come out of it a changed person. You know, she's she's wearing different colors to kind of help symbolize that she's. You know, she's a different person. She's choosing, um, she's choosing a different path than Anakin. Right. I think we sort of bled into the next episode, so so we can go. Or I guess we're not quite leading in the next episode, but but at the end of that episode, um, she talks to the whale or has a telepathic communication with the whale and gets inside its mouth. So the next episode. Uh, Ahsoka's basically not in this episode, um, but she is doing the whole. Jonah and the whale thing and traveling to another galaxy inside a whale. This is just going to do a very high level plot summary and then talk about it. But this sort of intro with Ahsoka and Huang really was funny because um, Huang is a wonderful character and talking about how he used to tell stories to the younglings. And she's, she finally says, like, yeah, you can tell me one of those stories. And he says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty rad. And they, he also said it was uh, History of the Galaxies Part 1, 2, and 3, and Part 1 was the best. I was, curious, <laughs> I was curious if they're talking about the prequel trilogy and saying that The Phantom Menace was the best one. Or out of all the trilogies, the first one was the best? I don't know. Yeah, the prequels were the best, yeah. Well, no, no, no I'm saying the first. You know, not going in there. The first ones that came out were the best. Then the, who knows? Sure. <laughs> All right. So, so the rest of the show uh, is basically about Sabine, um, and and we get to meet a bunch of new characters. So the Eye of Scion sort of drops out of hyperspace, and they're at per- Peridia, Peridia, sorry, Peridia, which is the planet and the other galaxy that they're traveling to. Um, they all make make it down to the planet in a shuttle. And they land, and there are three women in bright red robes, um, sort of standing in a meditative pose in sort of a temple structure that looks the same, except better kept up. 
as the one that they just left on CTOS. Um, they welcome Morgan Elsbeth, and these are the great mothers and the and the leaders of the Night Sisters. Um, yeah, it's a very um, it has a very um, Minas Tirith kind of feel to it, um, don't you think? What was that word or again? Minas Tirith, or, or maybe I'm thinking Gondor, the the um, I guess the Night Sisters temple or wherever it is. The yeah, I think architecture. Yeah, I think it, it does remind me a lot of Gondor. So I think I think it's just beautiful. I think it's very well put together. This is a very you sort of. I'm I would be curious to watch this with someone who's never watched the animation because I want to know how big of a departure this is for average viewing Star Wars. Like, oh, there's witches. I mean, there is a witch in Battle for Endor as well. Mm-hmm. Which is the 1980s made-for-TV Ewok movie with the dead-eyed Ewoks in it? Um, <laughs> yeah, nightmare fuel Ewoks. But I, I really want to know, like people who have only watched the movies, if they're like, if they if they bought in to that that there would be these like magical beings. Um, but anyway, it, it, I was super excited to see these three. Um, you know the great mothers. I don't know if I told you this. There's this whole this whole thing is like extremely steeped in mythology, and the three sisters or the the three mothers are named after the fates, and they they talk about loose threads, and they clearly can see the future or at least parts of the future, and they're they're named after the fates. And I don't know if you you and I have ever talked about it, but Cetos, the planet where the Pergol were. Um, it's named after a constellation in our night sky called Cetos, which is the word for whale, which is a Greek word for whale. Really? Yeah. And so there's a ton of this stuff just sprinkled throughout. We've talked about how Balin's skull and Shinhadi are named after Norse um, deities that represent the wolves that chase the sun and the moon um, across the sky every day. All of this is like this is a very you can go into deep dive for all the mythology references and, and these things, but uh, when they when they meet the night mothers uh, or the great mothers at this temple on Peridia, uh, they basically take um, Sabine into custody and put her in a prison cell because she reeks of a Jedi, which I think that's a very interesting thing to say about her. Um, so Morgan is very interested to see Thrawn. They say Thrawn will come in a few minutes. Um, the the um, Star Destroyer, the Chimera, pulls up to the tower and sort of lowers on top of the tower. And then we meet Thrawn and a legion of stormtroopers. I don't know what, what unit size this is. We'll just call it a legion. Several hundred stormtroopers. And we have the leader of the stormtroopers, Enoch. This is another new character that we don't, we've never met before. Um, but we get our first view of Thrawn. Uh, so let's just do it. What do you think of Thrawn? I, uh, I don't know. I don't. He's acted perf- perfectly fine, but I. It's just it'd be hard to. It, he's he's hard to pull off, and he he still just looks like a. Looks like a. A tall, pot-bellied, blue Elon Musk. Yeah, he did. He did come off looking a lot like Elon Musk, which is a shame. I think. I think the actor did a wonderful job. I think the dialogue is good. I think he's written well. 
I think Lars did everything to bring that character to life. His design is a little, a little off. Yeah, I, I, I do like the fact that he, they did, um, they did add some like tears and like scuffs to his uniform. I mean, he looks like polished and white stuff, but if you, you know, when when you really look at him, you know, like in some of the later episodes you can tell that like his uniform has kind of been patched and, and torn. Yeah. He's been gone for 10, they've been gone for 10 years at least. Right. And, and they, and the stormtroopers, I didn't mention it, but all of their uniforms, all of their armor is cracked and patched. Yeah. So it's either filled in with like glue or they have these red ribbons, like these red like bandages or ribbons or something like holding them all together. There's a lot of speculation at the time. Like, like, are these people actually people? Or are they, like, zombies that have been reanimated? Yeah. There's also a lot of gold, or at least gold plating. Like, even, like, the Chimera, like, has been, like, rebuilt using, like, gold. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, you can you can see, like, in the scenes with it, and, like, in the... And with the, um, the Stormtroopers, they've got various, you know, pieces that are, like, gold... Or even just like little chunks here and there that are gold that you know it's not like they replaced a part. Um, so it's very weird. And some of the stormtroopers look like just like they haven't been their their armor hasn't been painted, or it's like just maybe it's just fresh off of the you know fresh Green out printer. of the, yeah <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a I, I thought about this when I was watching it, but there's this Japanese tradition called kintsugi, which is repairing something that's been broken with gold. Like you take like a teacup. Did you watch um, Man in the High Tower? No. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I recommend it. But there's a Japanese character in there that repairs a, a teacup by using like like gold to mend the pieces of the teacup. And so you can see like the veins of gold through the porcelain. It sort of looked like that. Like these they, these things had cracks in them, and they were filled in with gold for some reason. From a design point of view, it's it's wonderful storytelling. Because it's like, yeah, these people have been through the shit, and they're keeping up appearances the best they can, but they're filthy. And Thrawn is the cleanest thing in in 100 miles, maybe 100 light years of this place, and even his shit is tattered at the edges. Yeah. And there's we can get into it later, but when we were watching, I was watching the episodes with my family, and the boys were like, why is Thrawn behaving like this? And I'm like, he is out of stuff. This is his last chance. Yeah, and he knows it. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's just keep going. So so Thrawn isn't introduced. Morgan and Thrawn have an introduction. He thanks her for this rescue mission. Um, we've learned that it's the Night Sisters that have been contacting her, not Thrawn. And so this whole like, how is Thrawn communicating with her? It's the Night Sisters. Okay, mm-hmm. believable. That's that's a good explanation for that because Thrawn's not force sensitive. He can't use the force. Um. So they bring Sabine to Thrawn. Thrawn once again taunts Sabine, thanks her for destroying the galaxy to save her friend. Um, and she, I love Sabine. And I know people have been like, what's wrong with Sabine? I'm like, this is perfect for her character because she's just like constantly yelling, fuck you, back in his face and not not putting up with any of it. Mm-hmm. Right? She doesn't care. She just wants to know where Ezra is. And so he's like, he's like, like, why'd you do this? And she's like, fuck you, show me Ezra. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't understand. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's like it's it's like the perfect it's it's withering, right? The insult it's like it's like 
talking to data about emotions. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't get it. Let me go to find my friend. And so he basically says, yeah, you can have, you can have one of these rat wolves, rat wolves, <laughs> bat wolves or whatever they are. Um, rodents of unusual size. Yeah. What about the R.O.U.S.'s? Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> um, you can write it out, and I'll tell you where Ezra is, and why don't you go do that? And then she's like, oh, really? And then she leaves, right? Because she doesn't care. Like, she's on she's on a laser-focused mission, and all she cares about is finding Ezra. We're going to follow her for a little bit. So Sabine goes out, well... He tells Balin and Shin to basically follow her. And so they give her a head start because it's Balin. Um, she goes out and there's a bunch of raiders who attack her. And she sort of clumsily dispatches them. Um, one of them escapes, but she kills a bunch with blasters and her lightsaber. And then her mount runs away. Um, they're called Howlers, I think. Um, so the Howler runs away. She eventually meets back up with the Howler and sort of a cute makeup scene with the animal, and then they go off together, end up at like a stream drinking, and then she meets these hermit crabs slash turtle people called the Nodi. And they're little, short, like I said, hermit crab, sort of turtle people that disguise themselves as rocks. And she notices that one of them has a, or they notice the phoenix on her pauldron, and he pulls out a little wooden phoenix that's carved for him. And she figures that these people know where Ezra is. And they take them to the village, and um, she meets Ezra. So there's some stuff with Bayland and Shin in this episode while they're following, Ahsoka, or following Sabine, where um, Balin refers to um, Ezra, Bridger, Ezra Bridger as a Boken Jedi, which is a reference to a wooden sword used in training for martial arts before you get a real sword. So Bayland has very little respect for the Jedi that came up after the fall of the Order. Mm-hmm. He keeps saying, I trained you to be something more than the Jedi. We don't know what Bayland is after, but in this episode he says that there's something on Peridia that's calling to him, and something that he's interested in more than anything else. So what did you think about Ezra? I thought he was, uh, thought he was great. Um it took me a little bit into like the next episodes, but I like, I think they nailed, I think they nailed it. I think the actor who's playing Ezra did a really good job. Um, um, mannerisms scar. Yeah. His name is Amon Esfandi and I loved him. I, as far as, as far as like capturing his tone is like playful, like goofy. Um, I know Ezra had these dark moments in rebels, but in reality, like he was just like this goofy foil, or like straight man Kanan, you know, that was sort of the duo. It's like like funny man, straight man, right? And whiner and serious one. And they played with those roles, but I think I think Amon crushed it. It was funny start to finish. Yeah, I, I agree. Alright, any other thoughts about Sabine or Thrawn's introduction? So we got so I just want to bottom line it. We got the Night Mothers, we got Enoch, Thrawn. Ezra and the Nodi all in this episode. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge episode for characters. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't be Star Wars without some sort of like puppet type characters. The Nodi, they're very much, uh, they dress, they dress a lot like the hobbits. Yeah. I was going to say they're dressed like they're from the Shire. (laughs) 
Yeah, and this this whole uh, world is pretty. Uh, is very much Middle Earth esque. I think I texted you. I said I, th- I think I texted you the day it came out that that if you're going to go to another universe or another galaxy, make it look like you went to another galaxy because it looks like they went to Ireland. Yeah, because they they look like uh, it looks like Middle Earth mixed in, you know, like with you know advanced technology, you know, like. And we'll see see more of this at the end, but just like a a society in decline, or like you know, like where you see like in um, you know, like in in Europe, uh, the the Roman structures that are just um, yeah, they're still there, but they're yeah, they're not serving their original purpose. Mm-hmm. So they're they're like active ruins or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, you know, there's just more of a mystery. It's like they don't really talk that much about it, but Thrawn's bringing something um, back for the Night Sisters. Oh, right. Because when they when they arrived, they said they basically said in order to load the car, loading the cargo will take several days or several rotations. And he says that's acceptable, right? It's it's a little. This is potentially a plot hole, but I guess they had no idea to. No idea when or if Morgan would ever show up, but there's no reason why they couldn't have loaded the ship at any time, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we we're not 100 percent sure. Nobody knows exactly what what they loaded on the ship, but maybe maybe we can talk about it in episode eight. Right, episode seven then. Uh, yeah, dreams and madness. So it's um, so it starts out with uh, with Hera. Um, in front of um, some, I don't know, I don't want to say tribunal, but some sort of, um, uh, let's call it a Senate hearing. You know, she's in her dress uniform, and she's getting a stern talking to by Mon Mothma, Admiral Akbar, um, Senator Zonu, is it? Ziona, yeah. Ziona, um, another guy, and a Celestin general or admiral. Who has a, a beard or a mustache or whatever would would count as that for a Solston? Yeah, pretty pretty cool design. Yeah, he's he's very he gives off very Civil War general vibes because um, you know Solstons have like that second flappy lip, so his like mustache goes all the way around. And he's got like, no hair, so. But you know, it's you know she's getting getting read the right act for disobeying orders. Um, Carson Tiva like is in kind of the room, and he confirms that the events that are happening right now are after the events of season three of The Mandalorian because Hera is trying to convince them that you know the Empire still should be taken seriously. Um, you know they are like. Definitely, like they don't care about that, or at least uh, Kaz's father. I'm just gonna call him Kaz's father. He he doesn't uh, he doesn't care. He comes across as a big asshole, and um, and eventually, kind of Hera's bacon is saved by C-3PO of all droids. Um, I was able to recognize who he was because he had two gold arms. You probably don't recognize me because of the red arm. Anyways, he comes in saying that Leia approved the mission because she is part of the Defense Council. And so, you know, that kind of uh, that saves Hera from possibly getting uh, into a lot of trouble. And then <clears throat> we're back with uh, Ahsoka and Huang. They're, you know, still in the 
Jedi cruiser inside of the whale. She's uh, practicing her lightsaber forms with, uh, I guess, a holocron of Anakin, um, just kind of like walking around her and, you know, uh, instructing her, which is pretty cool. This is Hayden Christensen dressed up as Anakin from the Clone Wars cartoon. He's got the armor. He's got the scar. He's got his, his hair is not short, but not as long as it was in episode three. And eventually they come out uh, and they find out that the whole area has been mined. Um, and so, you know, as they're, they're trying to get to Peridia, the Purgils are coming under fire from the mines. And eventually the Purgils decide to bail. Um, yeah, they're animals, so. Yeah, they're not going to stick around forever. Yeah. And so Ahsoka goes to hide in the asteroid belt. Then uh, Thrawn has the Night Mothers um, kind of locate her um, position. And meanwhile, on the on the um, <clears throat> on the ground, pretty much uh, Sabine is pretty much filling Ezra in on everything. Uh, she fails to mention uh, Jason Syndulla, but you have to assume that that was mentioned off screen. Or else that would be really weird. Yeah, she gets to, she gets to they get to watch the original trilogy together. Yeah, there's a great line where it says, "So the emperor died," and she's like, "That's what they say." <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, she's she's a little uh, coy about you know what's you know what I you know what's happened you know like how she gets how she got there how they're getting back, and then eventually you know uh, Soka's able to use the force the the force to figure out where uh, Sabine is, and then the Night Sisters are able to figure out, you know, where Ahsoka is in the, um, I guess, in the rings, which are just, I guess, Pergil bones, which is funny because then why didn't he ask them to do this to find Ezra? But you know, we're not going to nitpick, right? We're not those kind of fans. I actually, I actually have an answer to that. Yeah. Okay. Or at least some speculation. I think. I think we so once they put together the plan for the extraction, like for their own escape, mm-hmm. I think it was a resource problem because we see how few stormtroopers he has, and they really only have these three witches. And Thrawn is a brilliant tactician who is basically bested by a young adult because the young adult has access to the Force, and I I assume that Thrawn didn't think hunting other than keeping tabs on Ezra, that hunting Ezra was worthwhile um, until like Sabine and Ahsoka show up and then they have an escape plan and then it becomes laser focused on, we have to get the hell out of here. And that's when he starts like sacrificing like dozens of stormtroopers just to slow them down. Yeah. Cause it's like, he couldn't afford that. Because if, if Ezra just killed a couple a day for 10 years, then he doesn't have anybody left. And Thrawn can't beat him one-on-one. So what's he going to do, right? He's going to fortify and dig in. And that's what he's been doing for 10 years. He's been, And he even said, like, our losses have been significant mm-hmm. at some point. And so he knows that he's down to nothing. And this is his last little charge, his last little push. And he has to make it count. And so I think, I think he could have. Because it was not hard to find Ezra. I, don't, I think he could have, but he knew that if he engaged Ezra, he would be spending resources that he had to stretch for an indefinite amount of time. And so, of course, you would ration and be hyper-conservative 
about what you allocated resources to and and risking two or three units of stormtroopers or being or provoking Ezra into attacking that didn't solve any of your problems right okay all right i'm willing to accept that so ahsoka and huang are making their escape after they're they're, they're found and they're being targeted um shin and her raiders attack the uh the nodi now, uh, at this point, uh, Balin has kind of told her that uh, they're parting ways. Um, does she, you know, he's, you know, take place in the upcoming Empire or whatever. And he's got some more other uh, important business to do. And so, uh, you know, the, the Nodi, like, they kind of circle the wagons a, a bit. Um, and um, there's, a, there's a battle between Sabine and... And Balin, and like you said, Sabine's different now. She's just, or not, I'm sorry, uh, between Balin and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka's different now. She's not there to try to beat him. She's just there to just kind of distract him for a little bit. And then, you know, meanwhile, like the, you know, you know, Ezra is showing Ezra fighting. He's using the Force. Uh, Sabine is just using her Mandalorian blasters. And this is the, like the first time she's finally actually being somewhat of a, the badass that you would expect from her. Yeah, and her then, confidence. Her confidence is growing, and I think she's buoyed by the fact she found Ezra. Yeah, yeah. And then there's just um, we get to, we get to see the uh, the Imperial gunships live for the first time, which is pretty cool. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then basically, like all the stormtroopers uh, surround them, and then you know, so comes saves the day um you know tries to get shin to surrender but she just runs off and it's, it's a very it has it has a very um i want to say um uh sitcom sort of ending where it's just kind of like everybody's together at the end and everything's going to be okay you know meanwhile like we know things aren't going to be okay you know like stop screwing around but because that's what can you do? Yeah, there's like there's that in in shot where it was like like a Mary Tyler Moore episode, you know? Yeah. They just all like smile to camera, all all looking at the camera at the same time. Just yeah. Like, like, all right. Freeze frame. Yeah. Two days from retirement, right? So two <laughs> days from retirement. <laughs> She's too old for this shit. It was that level of like cliche though. Yeah. And it was it's fine. It's funny. Um, I really like this episode, but I think I did text you. I was like, so basically we're getting into season two, right? Because yeah, there's too much to to get to get into. To you get into you get into everything, right? And you're in, you're in see you're in episode seven of an eight episode show, and you finally got all the main characters together. It took yeah. you seven episodes, and which is fine. Yeah, and there's a lot of unanswered questions. You know, it because because you think that like the final episode. Half of it is just going to be, um, you know, like if this was a standalone, you think like like half of it or at least a quarter of it would just be like, okay, you know, the big, you know, the, the big bad is defeated, never, never, you know, it's kind of like epi- the epilogue, but uh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, the only way they could have cle- cleaned up, we'll get to the actual what actually happened. But the only way they could have gotten from here to to an ending is if they would have scuttled the chimera on the surface of the. Perdidia, trapping Thrawn with nothing on the planet forever. Um, 
catching a ride back home on a whale or in the eye of Zion, I guess. Um, and then somehow figuring out what Shin and Balin were going to do. Right. But there's, there's a dozen interesting plot things that need to happen. And none of that happens, by the way, what I just described. Nothing is resolved or settled. We just keep pushing forward on the plot. And there's no chance they, they could have done it. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of commentary on this one, except there's a lot of fighting Shin without a lightsaber. Ezra stops her um, lightsaber with the Force. And then when Ahsoka fights Shin, she doesn't even draw a lightsaber. She just beats the shit out of her <laughs> using yeah. force, and Shin is humiliated and is turns and runs runs away. Um, we haven't really. I don't know if we talked about it last time or not. But what do you think of Shin as a character? I'm I'm very intrigued by her because you know, she's um, she seems you know she's very she's very competent in what she does, but she's kind of been brought up in this. I guess dark Jedi sort of uh, sort of way, you know. She's not bound by the rules of the order. She's uh, also she also is dressed like an Arthurian knight. She's mm-hmm. like wearing like shiny, like shiny armor from like the medieval times, like the, the Dark Ages. And I just kept like every once in a while when she would be on screen, especially when she was like on the Howler, I was like, this is like Joan of Arc. Right? It's not like something out of Star Wars. It's very fascinating, her style. That's true. And, you know, she's she's very arrogant. Um, but, you know, she, I guess because she's been under Balin's wing for so long. That, like, tasting, like, real defeat or seeing, like, someone who, you know, you consider strongly defeated. Like, um, like when Ahsoka just dispatches Morak with, you know, with, you know, with no problem whatsoever. Right, you know, um, or the when Ahsoka shows up and just kicks the shit out of her, you know, then you know, and she's definitely outmatched. It's like she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and she she's always been played as like this. Not to keep bringing up like the dog stuff, but like as like a feral, like angry, needs to be kept on a leash sort of person. And Balin was always there to say like release her or or stop that or you know like you'll do we'll do as we're told sort of thing. And then when then when he releases her, he's like, "Go take your place in the new empire." I don't know if he was re-releasing her back to Thrawn or what, but we'll talk about what happens to her in the next episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's yeah, that's pretty much that episode. Go on to the all next. Right. Yeah. So the final episode um, where all things are resolved. Yep. Nothing um, more to talk about after this episode. Yep. So let's just get to it. This will be the last time we talk about Ahsoka, probably. Yeah. Um, so at the fortress on Prydidia, they well, first, are what's up? First, you know, Prydia, but the name, the name of the episode. Oh yeah, um, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. Yeah, which so. is wonderful. I don't know if we did the names of all of them, but uh, that's a wonderful name of the episode. Yeah, um, little nod to C.S. Lewis there. Yeah, there was a there was a tweet that went super viral, um, and the, it said, "I can't believe Star Wars ripped off J.R.R. Tolkien." With the name of this episode, <laughs> I was like, I thought it was funny. Then everyone, then someone else was like, "He's serious," and I was like, "No, he's not. No one's that stupid." Um, have, <laughs> have you spent any time online in the past <laughs> like yeah. ten years? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was being serious. All right, 
So the the Jedi, the witch, and the wardrobe, and the warlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the perfect name, perfect name. You you won Star Wars. Yes, okay. so that's the you know. Like I want to get the the T-shirt that has the picture of the Enterprise on it, uh, and then it says Star Wars number one fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in the fortress on Predidia, um, they are loading up the uh, Chimera with these coffins. I'm just going to call them coffins. Um, and they're they're basically saying that they're that they're ready to load up. Um, or they're almost done loading up, and they're ready to start docking with the hyperspace ring, the Eye of Zion, which we speculated earlier that this thing was built to be the size so it can dock with a Star Destroyer, and that's exactly what's happened. Um, so Thrawn is still worried about Ahsoka um, because he thinks he's learned that Ahsoka's master is Anakin Skywalker, and if you read the Thrawn books, you know that Thrawn worked with Anakin and Darth Vader um, during the Clone Wars and the Empire times, and so he knows, he thinks he knows what um, Ahsoka Tano is going to do. So he he dispatches a couple of um, TIE fighters to go basically shoot down Ahsoka's ship so she can't get to the Chimera in time. This whole episode is about Thrawn trying to get himself off of the planet back into orbit with the Eye of Sion and his ship. So everything he does is for that purpose. Um, also, the mothers at this time um, call on their magics and manifest the Blade of Talzin. Mm-hmm. They give it to Elspeth. Yeah, who they imbue with uh, their power. Yes. So they that's her, they, they 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 download the uh, witch patch to her. Yeah, it's a very cool, um, very cool little, uh, little ceremony. With, um, where she gets like they they all, because Mother Talzin's the very first one that we we ever meet, you know, and um, she's got different face markings than the three, and then when when they give it to Elspeth, she has slightly different, you know, she has different markings as well, and but she's but she still has her hair and she's um, and she's not super pale, so you just gotta wonder if that just comes with age or just slowly kind of like is it kind of like the dark side sith sort of thing where eventually they just become withered and gross because of using the the power yeah i mean it's very very possible um so i was looking up the this sword and it makes an appearance in a clone wars episode called the disappeared part two okay and do you remember um do you remember the episode and describe the episode in just a second do you remember the episode where Jar Jar they go to like a Tibetan, um, Tibetan style culture where, where the people are all birds? Oh yeah, he like has like a semi uh, relationship with like their queen. Yeah, they fucked. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar yeah. fucks. Yeah, so accept it. Yeah, so these 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 creatures were the Bardota, and they were force sensitive, and they refused to let. The Jedi take their children, um, and so, but they, but their children are missing, and they were kidnapped by a cult, and the cult is in order, is in league with uh, Mother Talzin, and in this episode, in the Disappeared Part Two, she summons a blade, um, the blade of Talzin, using her magic. So, that's yeah. that's a reference back to that. 
All right, so she gets so so Elsbeth gets upgraded to a super powerful witch and is given this cool sword. Um, back with Ezra and the Nodi, Ezra, Sabine, Ahsoka, and the Nodi. They're in these little pods that the Nodi drive around slowly on the planet's surface um, to keep moving, presumably to avoid bandits. Um, and Ahsoka's Jedi cruiser is sort of hovering slightly above them and going at the same speed. They're sort of headed towards the temple. Um, Ezra's inside building a lightsaber. There's some great talk about Kanan and Kanan's old lightsabers. And Ezra basically builds one, a lightsaber that's exactly like Kanan's, which is sort of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the TIE fighters show up. There's there's some tension here in between Sabine, Huang, and Ezra. And basically Huang tells Ezra that um, after the destruction of Mandalore, um, Ahsoka feared what Sabine was becoming, that she was basically becoming a Jedi for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating to know. So these uh, TIE fighters that were dispatched by Thrawn show up and they shoot down, or they, they shoot at the ship, hit the ship. Um, it starts to fall, but Ahsoka and Ezra hold it up using the Force. Sabine and Huang power it up, and she basically rams the ship into the tie, two TIE fighters before crashing it into the ground. There's a great line when they catch up with the wreckage of the ship, and Sabine is walking away from the wreckage, and she said, I got him. Yeah. I I love it's it's so in line with her personality in the series to just like solve the problem immediately in front of her and not worry about what happens next. Yeah. Um so they so Hoang says he's going to fix the ship. Ezra says this is going to slow them down getting to the temple and Ahsoka's newfound playfulness or whatever, I don't know what to call it. But she basically says it only slows down if we let it and then they get on their howlers and ride. Um, so they leave, they leave Huang and the Nodi behind. They're going to fix the ship. They ride toward the, the temple, the, or the fortress. So when they get there, they see that Thrawn is backing up the ship into the ring. They can hear the backup alarm, um, cause that has, that's code. It has to be on everything. Mm-hmm. A piece of equipment that backs up needs an alarm to notify people which direction it's going. And Thrawn is alerted that there's two howlers coming their way. And Thrawn basically says, shoot him. Like, like all guns pointed at those howlers. Yeah. I want every gun we have to fire on that man. You know, and there's a really exciting scene where they're jumping around, um, dodging all of these blasters, shooting up from the bottom of the Star Destroyer. I also love Star Destroyers and Atmosphere. Something we didn't get until the Disney era, and we're getting it relatively frequently. <clears throat> remember, mm-hmm. remember when the trailer for Rogue One came out? Yeah. And there was a Star Destroyer over Jetta City, and and that was such a cool shot. But I love them looking up at the belly of the Star Destroyer and just seeing all of these blaster bolts come down. They use the Force to open the door to the fortress, and they ride right in, um, barely making it inside. Thrawn basically sends several dozen stormtroopers down to their deaths. Um, he even says they know what this means, right? And they say, and Morgan says yes. And so they go down there, and they encounter three Jedi 
right? Sabine, Ahsoka, and Ezra all have their lightsabers out. They draw the entire platoon of stormtroopers into this big area, and then they just summarily execute them in some really good fight choreography. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all using lightsabers. Sabine switches to blasters. Ezra throws two of them to Ahsoka, and she cuts them with their lightsabers. They start heading up the stairs, and then the green fog or smoke reanimates them, and now they are zombie death troopers or night troopers or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that was pretty... That's very reminiscent of something I can't think of. Yeah, um, I mean, they, they did it. They did a similar thing in the cartoon, right, where they reanimated all of the dead night sisters. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me of Game of Thrones, where you know they fought a huge battle and they won, and then all the dead bodies get resurrected, and they're just like, "Oh shit, we gotta go." Right, and so so now they're running up a stair, they're running up a staircase up the tower, and they're being pursued by the zombie horde now. And just like all good zombie movies, the, the threat isn't necessarily the individual zombies; it it's, is the it's the, the horde. horde, yeah. I think we've talked on the in previous episodes about the categories of villains in movies. So it's like the superhuman, um, the horde, the monster, the disaster, that sort of thing. Um, this is definitely a horde because they're even even though they're fighting them one on one, they'll turn the corner and they'll just be like twenty more waiting for them, right? And so mm-hmm. they just start to run. So the ship is getting ready to go, and but the. Jedi are making too much progress, and so Thrawn tells Morgan that they need more time. They need to put more time or more distance between them and the Jedi, and Morgan realizes that she's being asked to stay behind and fight Ahsoka. So they they make it to sort of the, the area right below the temple where we've seen the Night Mothers or the, the Night Mothers doing their meditation and where the ship is being loaded up and Morgan and Ahsoka fight. Ahsoka sends Ezra and Sabine on because they need to stop Thrawn. So we'll talk about, talk about, I guess, Ezra and Sabine go forward and they encounter two death troopers, which are the black uniformed stormtroopers that we see in Rogue One. Um, and they have to fight these, these troopers and, they're also zombies. Um, they get shot in the face a lot and take yeah. a lot of damage, and they just keep coming. Go ahead. And, yeah, and they're not like freshly resurrected zombies. Yeah, they're rotting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are rotting piles of flesh. So there's a great. So Sabine has basically been Ezra is getting beaten up by this zombie, and Sabine is being choked out by the other one, and she sees her lightsaber on the deck reaches for it and comes to her and she stabs the the death trooper through the head with the lightsaber similar actions with Ezra he grabs lightsaber and decapitates um, his his trooper while this is happening Ahsoka is having a crazy battle with um, Morgan um, by herself so Thrawn is pulling away from the planet he's he's no longer docked with the fortress and he's flying away but they get there right as it's leaving. So they hem and haw a little bit, and Sabine says that if Ezra jumps, she'll use the Force to push him, just like Ezra and Kanan used to do in the cartoon. 
Um, Ezra is nervous, but he jumps and uh, Sabine pushes him with the force, barely hard enough for him to grab onto the edge of the Star Destroyer. He jumps up there and kills the remaining guards. He kills one and she shoots the other um, from distance. And, And he signals to her that she should jump next and he'll pull her across. And then we cut back to Ahsoka and Ahsoka is not doing great in the battle. She's holding her own, but she's sort of getting distracted. And I think more at this point, Morgan cuts one of her lightsabers in half. And so she loses a lightsaber. She assumes that that they're either on the... Sabine and Ezra are either on the Star Destroyer or they're dead. Um, but Sabine shows back up and starts fighting with Ahsoka to defeat Morgan and all the stormtroopers that have sort of shown up to watch the fight, I guess. And Morgan is killed by Ahsoka, and as this is happening, um, the Night Mothers on the ship pulling away say, uh, Morgan's dead, and Thrawn says to Enoch, um, target all the laser, target all the batteries on the fortress and open fire. Because once again, Thrawn just wants an extra second or two. That's all he needs. And so he thinks if he blows up the fortress, um, that'll slow down Ahsoka, who has now killed his last um, last obstacle for them. So the ship so the ship fires on the fortress. The fortress starts to come apart. Um, Sabine and Ahsoka are running for the edge, being chased by all the stormtroopers. And they pull a Back to the Future 2 and jump off the side of the building and land on a flying DeLorean <laughs> to hit Biff in the face with the door. I yeah. thought about that the second it happened. <coughs> I was like, this is Back to the Future. Is it just me, or did they, they didn't really say anything, but the Night Sisters didn't seem too thrilled? Yeah, the Night Sisters, when, when Thrawn says target the fortress, the Night Sisters look like they're going to say something. Like they all look really worried that he's doing this. But we also don't know what their agreement is. We don't, we can speculate what they're getting out of this, but we don't actually know. But there is some quid pro quo between Thrawn and these Night Sisters, um, and they need each other more than anything else. We know what Thrawn's getting. Thrawn is getting the fuck out of Dodge. They're also hitchhiking on this mission and taking all of those fucking coffins, right? So mm-hmm. they're getting something out of this that's way more valuable to them than anything on this fucking planet. And yeah, so nuke it from orbit because it buys him ten seconds. Yeah. So now they've jumped off the jumped off the fortress the fortress is dead there's no more threats um they get in the ship and they start chasing the the ring and the star destroyer out of out of the atmosphere into space they are flying they're putting everything they have into the engines but thrawn has too much of a lead on him on them and so thrawn contacts ahsoka to taunt her and says that he knew anakin and so he knew how she would behave because she is he correctly assumed that she would behave like Anakin. And this might have hurt her feelings three episodes ago, but I think she's had a really successful breakthrough at therapy Mm -hmm. and no longer thinks the sins of her father are her sins. So, so she's just, she's just listening to Thrawn rant while she's trying to get Wang to squeeze a little bit more out of the engines and they're getting very close. Um, But then the ship jumps into hyperspace or super hyperspace, whatever you need to travel between galaxies. And Ahsoka's ship is caught in the wake of that hyperspace explosion. And they are sort of chaotically swirling around in space for a minute. But now they have no way home. So they return 
to the planet. Also, Ahsoka knows that Ezra is on the ship, going back to the original galaxy, presumably. But now they're they're trapped on Perdidia, so they go back down to Perdidia. We see the Chimera pulling up to Dathomir, so the Chimera makes it home, at least to Dathomir. Um, then we, I'm just going to run through the little ending scenes and we can talk about it. We see Ezra on a shuttle land on, I guess, home one and walk up to Ahsoka in a stormtrooper costume. Uh, you mean Sabine? I mean, <laughs> Hera. I said Hera, didn't I? No, you said Ahsoka. And then I said oh. Sabine because we're both yeah. stupid. We're both, we're both off the wall. Yeah. So Ezra shows up in a stormtrooper uniform to Hera's ship. And they get that reunion. And then back on Predidia, there Ahsoka and Sabine are with the Nodi. And Ahsoka is sort of waxing, like meditating, I guess. And Sabine says she sees something. She thought she saw something dancing in the shadows, but it was probably nothing. And then you see Anakin's Force Ghost. Ahsoka says we're exactly where we need to be. We see Anakin's Force Ghost. We see Mori the Owl. And so presumably there's that connection. And then, I don't think this is the order we see it in, but maybe, I don't remember the order. It was, Anakin, the Anakin Force Ghost was the last thing. Okay, so I skipped I skipped over Bayland and Shin. We see Shin go to the Raiders camp, the Raiders that attack Sabine in episode 5 or whatever, episode 6. And she basically becomes their leader. Um, that's what I, how I interpreted it. And... Then we see Balin, and Balin is sort of hiking through a mountain range that once again looks like it came from Lord of the Rings. And he's standing on a figure pointing like a gigantic statue. It's pointing off in the distance, and there's a light at the top of a mountain. Yeah, very Mount Doom-esque. Yeah. And when when it pans out, you see that the statue that Balin is standing on is a statue of the father from the Mortis Ark. And next to him is a statue of the son from the Mortis Ark. And then on the other side of him is a decapitated statue of the daughter. Yeah. And I know I did those out of order, but this is where we leave our, our plot threads. Ezra's with Hera. Thrawn and the Night Mothers are back at Dathomir. Um, Shin is with the Raiders. Balin is looking for the Mortis gods, I guess. And Ahsoka and Sabine are with the Nodi with a Force Ghost Anakin. Um, and that's where we leave it. So n- I guess nothing gets resolved. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. I mean, they cra- they crammed a lot into a 45-minute episode. But I, I, I think I was immediately on the on our text thread and just saying like, okay, but season two, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I didn't see this till like one o'clock in the morning. Cause I, my, um, I had gone to see a concert with my wife and my son. And then I came back and I decided to watch it. So I'm like half awake. I'm just like, what? And then, you know, we talked about it in the morning. I'm just like, I was like, I'm not sure what to think. <laughs> I was expecting at least a few things resolved. I mean, I I loved everything that happened, but it was so jam-packed with action that when they showed, like, Shin and Balin at the end, I'm like, oh, right! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, those are characters. What what were they doing? Yeah. (laughs) They can't can't just save all of this shit for um, Filoni's 
Endgame movie. They have to make a second season. Yeah. Because we have to see what happens with Ezra and Hera. This is the whole point, right? It's like getting him home. And now now Sabine and Ezra have just switched places. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not satisfying. And then, like, like, let's talk about, like, yeah, so we're going to be on another podcast to talk about, like, the Mortis arc and things, so we'll have to, like, dig into it too much. But I know, I know that, hope you don't mind me saying that, you didn't notice, because you were watching it so late, the first time you watched it, that that was the father. Right, yeah. You texted me when we watched it the second time, like, oh my god, that statue was the father. And I was like, oh, you were tired when you watched it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, this is, Dave loves that arc. Mortis, and he constantly references it as one of the most important things that he and George ever did together, as far as like fleshing out what the Force was. And he's teased. He's like, he's like, we have a plan for Mortis. I watched interviews that he made in like 2012 talking about the Mortis arc, saying that we have answers to everyone's questions of the Mortis arc, but we can't tell you until we get there. It might be bullshit, <laughs> but but it's also possible that they've been thinking about this for 10 years, like 12, 12, 13 years. And they actually did have a plan Mm -hmm. because that damn owl shows up everywhere. I went on, I went on a retrospective review with the kids and Chrissy after, after the owl shows up in Ahsoka. And I'm like, let's watch the last episode of clone wars where Morai is there. When Vader picks up her lightsaber, let's watch twilight of the apprentice. Or more I flies out of the temple, right? Like this thing shows up all the time. And so this is obviously some sort of this is something that he's been inserting into these things for years. Yeah. Yeah, and add to the fact that I don't know if you mentioned this, but Morgan lets it be known that um the Night Sisters are from here. This is their home. They they uh they um they rode Pergils to the current Star Wars galaxy, you know. So they are, you know, they're they're from here, um, and you know, and the fact that they're called like knights, you know, like sister, you know, you think well, they're mother sisters, but it's like well, in the context of the, like the Mortis gods, it it, expl- it explains a lot more that oh, maybe like they're the mother of that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So everyone's everyone's bringing up Abeleth, which is some legends nonsense that was supposed to be like the mother um, for that whole trio, and it was basically like a demon mm-hmm. that like ate souls and things. Um, I don't know. I should read about her, but I didn't even make that connection. That's wonderful. Wow. Now I've got to think about that. But we're so let's just. Do you have anything specific about this episode? I mean, there's a ton in this episode. I mean, there's. I mean, there's a throwaway line. There's a throwaway line, maybe not in this episode, maybe in the previous episode, that just is wild and deserves like a short story written about it. Where I think it was in the last episode where Ahsoka asks Ezra, "Does he come here? Like, what's the best way to get in the fortress?" And he's like, "I don't come here. Right? It's not safe. Right? Because mm-hmm. Ezra was doing the same thing Grom was doing, just avoiding each other. Yeah, they want to invite destruction. Yeah, and." And he says, he said, but the throwaway line is, he says, Thrawn woke up the Night Mothers, and it wasn't safe to come here after that. And that's the throwaway line. He woke them up. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Like, like was he just like spitballing? Like, let's try anything. Oh, here are three mummies. Let's 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 revive them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just wild. Like, what the hell? Like, how did he do it? Like, 
And what was he thinking? Like, like yeah, like, he has to be desperate, right? If he's do- if he's like like I'm going to invoke like some ancient magic in this other galaxy that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, and well, then it yeah, then it also you wonder like what's in the coffins. I assume it's more night sisters. Yeah, night sisters or night mothers. I don't. Um, I don't there's know. Hundred, there's hundreds of them. Yeah. So I yeah I'm assuming that they're going to repopulate Dathomir. That they you know that they know that they were all killed. You know, so they're just kind of just sitting there waiting for somebody to come get them. Um, you know, is this place you know like I don't want to say the origin of the forest, but like the you know like maybe like some sort of like nexus point of the forest. You know. Um, because you know they're, I mean, they're obviously using the Force, but in just in different ways than the Jedi or the Sith do. Like completely different. Yeah, I mean, there's been people have been speculating like this is Mortis, like this planet is in Perdidia, it's Mortis. And I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But like, I always thought Mortis is more of like a vision place. But I, I think I've shared with you people showing like shots of Mortis, looking exactly like shots of Perdidia. Yeah. And things like that, but yeah, it could be it could be one of the wellsprings of the force. Is do you think the the name is a play on perdition? I, it's a good question, right? Um, perdition being hell, I guess, uh, or perdition, yeah, being damnation. The the yeah, it's tough. Like, is there an explanation for what perdidia is? Let's see if I can find one. Um, it's a very this is what I mean by nothing was resolved, right? It's, I, I just I, left you with a ton of questions. I, I have to think that it is, is because this is Ch- Thrawn's chance to escape hell. Right. And I, I hadn't drawn that connection at all until you said that, I, but I think you're probably right. Uh, let's see what are Morai's appearances. Victory and death. Morai's in the Jedi, the Mandalorian episode. I guess she's. I guess more eyes with her when she's talking with Grogu. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right about Perdidia because it is it is hell to to Thrawn, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets to escape hell. Um, Ahsoka and Sabine have a different view of it. Obviously, I mean Ahsoka is doing this whole like like stoner dad, everything's cool sort of <laughs> thing right now. Yeah, yeah. There's. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack and like a lot to think about. Like, okay, so um, the actor who played Balin passed away. He was probably like one of the more, if not the best, you know, like character. So well played and so interesting. I'm sure that there's going to be somebody who can take his, you know, they can recast it, and who'll be good, but it'll take a little bit, of, you know, getting you know getting used to. And that, and they probably couldn't say anything, you know, when the, when he passed away because the the show hadn't even opened up. But they're probably just like, ah, oh, shit. Actually, I thought that after I was rewatching it for maybe the third time, it was like, did they change? Did they? Is it possible that they removed some of stuff that he did so they they could leave it a little bit more open ended for the character because Ray Stevenson died? Or did they always plan to... We never know this answer, but did they always plan for him to be like just looking off into the distance? You know, And is Balin on a quest, on like a force quest, like people in Mortis, or is he a god killer? Yeah, that's a good... That's a good question. Would you, would you accept a recasting of Balin? I definitely would. Yeah, 
yeah, I would. You know, I, I mean, it's not out of loyalty to to the actor. He's he's passed away. He's dead, and I'd much rather give somebody else an, an another uh, competent actor a crack at it uh, than just CGIing him over somebody and it just being kind of like kind of like uh you know yeah don't do that i I may i think i made that joke to you i made that joke to somebody when they were talking about it and i was like like i'm sure they took tons of scans of him but i I was joking i don't want that to happen at all yeah maybe i I think that's really disrespectful to the living and the dead yeah maybe maybe he finds like revan's mask or something and puts it on and then problem solved right there you know yeah, I think I think you could probably find an actor that looked enough like him that had similar um, gravitas to him. Mm-hmm. I do think I do think Balin might be my favorite new character out of all of these characters that came out. But I just want to talk about how much you like how you how would you quote unquote rate this series out of ten? Maybe just overall, like all eight episodes. Man, that's I'd probably give it a eight, eight and a half. Um, just because there were, I guess, it's hard to judge because, you know, like, there's so much you want to see, and when they don't do it, you're kind of like, well, fuck this shit. But, you know, then, you know, if you can sit back and be like, all right, okay, I I can accept it. There there was some stuff I I didn't care for. I don't like, I don't like, you know, mysteries upon mysteries upon mysteries. You know, I, you need to give us at least a little something don't do what jj abrams did and just you know leave tons of you know mysteries unanswered and then you know never you know you know never or i should say don't don't ask a bunch of questions and then then never answer the questions um overall i really enjoyed it i there's a lot that i i really thought was was great yeah i'm Right there with you. I think it's an I think it's an eight or eight and a half um, out of ten. Everything that was on screen, I'll put it this way: everything that was on screen, I loved. Um, I wanted just a little bit more in places. It's like like no, like just give me ten more minutes to explain something, right? But I'm absolutely the type of guy that's like like Andor's twelve episodes long, and they're all an hour, and they're all like talking and walking. I love this, right? Because I just want people to explain it to me, right? Show me how, show me the mechanics of the world. This had good space battles, good lightsaber fights. It had a ton of mythology. It's tying together a ton of animation threads in a live action thing. We had Balin and Shin, perfect characters. Morgan, Morgan's character became a real character, right? As opposed to just an obstacle for Ahsoka. We saw Thrawn, Ezra's back. We have a live action. We have a live action Rebels crew minus Kanan. We've got Jason. They're setting up Jason to be force sensitive. There's a ton of cool stuff in this, mm-hmm. but but like, I don't want to wait three years for a novel to explain it all to me. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen, right? We're going to get we're going to get a comic book series and a novel. They're not going to let me write either. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real tragedy here. Yeah, but um, but we're. I just want more, you know. And it, oh, it makes yeah. me sound selfish, but I just want. I just want to know more about these, like what's going on. Oh yeah, um, totally. That's 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 where I'm at. I just want. I want to know more. 
just tell me, you know, like more like what's, you know, what's going on. And, you know, like the, the amount of speculation we did after, um, you know, like up, up, up into episode seven, then, then afterwards, you know, was just crazy, you know? And so there's so many things that, uh, you know, that need to be answered. I mean, like, like here's something, and maybe this is just me noticing it, or, or not me noticing it, but me wanting it to be something. But they showed a brief shot of the TIE fighter pilots that came to attack them in episode 8. They had two red stripes down their helmets. Now, First Order TIE pilots have two red stripes going down their helmets. And red plays a... Per, um, a, not a permanent, I don't want to say permanent, but it, a prominent part in first, like in the first order. So, are they tying these night troopers or whatever you want to call them to the first order? I think, or at least Thrawn, or at least partially to you know the first order. We need more. You can't, you can't resolve this shit in a two-hour movie or two and a half-hour movie when you're trying to do a bunch of other stuff. What they're doing is they're setting up *Air of the Empire*, right? And that's fine. You have all the pieces on the on the table now, right? Mm-hmm. Thrawn, Thrawn is back to take control of the Imperial Remnant. You have a new Jedi Academy. Who's your Mara Jade? I don't know, but but you have all the pieces on on the table now. Um, so what now? Yeah, well, because there's so much going on, and then there's the fact that like, is Thrawn? Because right now, Filoni seems. And I'll just blame Fiona Floney. But they seem to be ignoring the kind of character growth that you got in Thrawn from the Zahn books. That like yeah, he's, from from the from the first trilogy of Thrawn books, yeah. Yeah, that he's not he's not some true believer. He's just allying himself to, um, with the Empire to help the Chiss ascendancy. You know, is that still his main goal? Because he doesn't it doesn't sound like it. You know, unless he's just. He's just playing up because he can't just be like, you know, oh, fuck the Empire, whatever. Because like, then like, all his men would just, you know, shoot him. Yeah, I think I think it's probably you can get out of it by thinking that, right? Like he would have said and done anything to get off of Perdidia, right? Including like for the Empire, mm-hmm. right? But you're right. One of those books is called Treason. That's the title of the book because because the Empire the Emperor accuses him of treason in it, and because he won't swear that he is there only for the empire's purposes and that is not the throne we see here right mm-hmm. but we also but i'm i'm also willing to believe that being whatever they've had to go through in the past decade has changed them and so thrawn can't do anything until he's back in his own galaxy and so he would do anything to get out of there and i do mean anything yeah. Just just go where the peanut butter is. Yeah. yeah. There's cuz you know it would be nice. I mean they can they can drag all of this stuff out forever, but it would be nice if they could just tie some things together, you know, like um you know recast Luke. Um bring in Cal that you've got like Marin who is a night sister. You know, these two characters from, you know, the Fallen Order uh, games, you know, like um, I, I would love that. I think I think you have you have a, a growing cast of characters that you can 
put into a a new um, Heir to the Empire series that has all of those components, and you have an actor, you have actors for Marin and for Cal. I would I wouldn't hate them recasting a Luke, right? He doesn't have to be the center of the story either because you have Ahsoka, mm-hmm. right? So let let Rosario Dawson have center stage for the Heir to the Empire. And yeah, go check in on Luke and Grogu, and and make sure Jason isn't there when the temple's destroyed, right? Yeah, so do that. Um, but you know, yeah, introduce Snoke. You know, um, do you know show the imper- You know, the Imperial remnant. You know, the the the, or the you know the the part that becomes the First Order. I mean, they're I mean they're hinting at it. They've hinted at it in like some of the books. But, you know, like, if it's going to tie it together, really tie it together, you know, show that they're, you know, like, I mean, they're showing that the first, um, that the New Republic is kind of weak and ineffectual, but show that, you know, I mean, we, we know that the First Order is out there, but, like, show us, show us that, like, there's a reason why they just curb stomped the New Republic in, um, in the, um, in Episode 7. Yeah, show rearmament. Yeah. Show Show them, show them building those, like was it the Amaxine warriors that were uh, a, like sort of a first attempt slash dead end thread for the first order? Yeah, they're supposed to be sh- kind of like shock troopers uh, to kind of cause chaos uh, before the first order uh, comes in. Um, yeah. So show show all of those threads. Pull all that together. Also, that's one of the best books I've ever written. So everyone, yeah, read um, Bloodline. Yeah, it's a for, for not having a lot of you know, like force stuff. It's really good because it really, as much as they fumbled the ball so much in the in the sequel trilogy, the supplementary material is quite excellent. Except for the Canto Bite book, Tales of Luke Skywalker, and some of the Galaxy's Edge stuff is okay. My favorite part about Galaxy's Edge is when they read when they read a map of Disneyland to you. <laughs> Don't forget to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. All right, do you want to? We have a very long recording. Do you want to just get us out of here? Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this has been our uh, our wrap up of uh, Ahsoka. Uh, we'll be hopefully getting back uh, soon to regular uh, Clone Wars um, episodes once life calms down for us, which it's never going to, so we're just going to have to get through it. But uh, thanks for listening, and um, let me find the outro. Oh, here it is. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at moochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. 
Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,